Osiris. Hey, this is Robert Walter of Robert Walter's 20th Congress. This podcast is part of the Osiris Podcast Network. To episode 97 of the Lewis Tape. I am Harvey Couch alongside Jeff Kolak. And thanks for joining us as we take our uh, annual journey through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. Happy New Year, Jeff. And Happy New Year, Harvey. I wish your year could have uh, would have started a little bit better than what it did. Um, sorry, sorry about today. So uh, as we record this, it is January, Sunday, January 5th. Um, the Saints uh, bombed out of the playoffs this afternoon to the Vikings at home. And, um, you know, we're in a, uh, a military skirmish in the Middle East. And things are looking great for 2020, Jeff. I mean, just all on the up and up. Was it a penalty on the last touchdown? Should it have been called Yeah, I mean, it certainly could have been, and I would say should have been, um, with, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue that they should have gone back and necessarily changed it. Although, I mean, it's you know, by the letter of the law, um, I do feel like the whole, uh, you know, instant replay video review uh, has. Uh, I just. I don't know. And they do it now in in European soccer, and it's actually kind of entertaining because they like put the big screen up on the you know like the big graphic up on the screen and then they like announce it on the screen, you know, goal, no goal. And, um, and, and they do it like letter of the law, you know, there's no like, well, they call it this way and it's real. it's gotta be like really bad for us to actually change it. It's like, you know, if it's interference, it's interference. And just, it doesn't work like that here in America, the unfortunately. Tennis, the tennis, uh, in or out one is right. the best one. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's just like, they show the graphic, yep. the ball lands, it's, in it's either on the line or not on the line. <laughs> Next, uh, yeah. The there's been a a series of terrible calls, officiating calls, since starting with the Ohio State Clemson game, and then moving into the Rose Bowl, and now and sort of throughout. But the two things that have driven me sort of crazy are I'm so over. At first, I kind of liked it, but now I'm so over this. Former referee, mm, mm-hmm, former referee, mm-hmm. like, let's go to Gene Steratore and see what he thinks about right. this. Because really, when is a former referee going to throw a current referee under the uh, bus and say that he's wrong? Right. Like, blatantly yeah. wrong. Like, they'll subtly say things here and there. Like, the other, when they called the the touchdown in the, um, uh, the was it, oh the Titan or the Texans Bills game yesterday when the guy caught the ball in the end zone and flipped it to the referee and the referee like ran away from it and the Bills picked it up because <clears throat> the ref didn't see him take any or single signal a fair catch so the Bills picked it up and then you know we're celebrating like they scored a touchdown and then of course common sense prevailed and said like he gave himself up but that was the only time all weekend that I heard a ref former ref challenge a current ref. Uh, but the other thing I don't like is this every scoring play 
every it's just it's incessant. Yeah. Every play is scrutinized and reviewed. Right. And it's just well, it's it just kills the momentum, it kills the fun. And I mean it leaves it with the, again, it's just they're especially when they review the call and they're wrong, they're wrong and overturning mm-hmm. it. Like, it just, it's like, what are you, what are you actually looking at? Yeah. So I just, I, I don't see a solution to it. Um, I agree with you. They prep. It was, I think it was pass interference. I, I, I'm just not sure how the guy, it. how is the guy supposed to play defense? Like when the, the other dude has six inches on you and he's, you know, yeah. strong arming you. Um, they could have, but if they're going to call it, they've got to call it on the field. They yeah. couldn't have overturned it and said that it, that would have been total. Beat. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I, so I I, I want to move on to other topics, but I just <laughs> I, I do want to like one point I, I do think is 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 important to keep in mind is as like um you know the coverage has gotten better in video video quality has gotten better uh you know the number of cameras and angles and super slow mo and zoom in and all those things have gotten better over the years. So the the expectation for being able to get an exact answer has has grown to where basically we think we can you know go back and check every single play, but you still have situations where and I'll give an example that we were uh, Kentucky played in the Belk Bowl on New Year's Eve and uh, me and the family went, but there was a fumble that they called a fumble and there was you know they just didn't have it. it you couldn't tell because the way the guy was blocked and it looked like he was probably down, but there was not a look that showed him with the knee on the ground and the ball, because it's, you know, it's more of like a, it's a, you know, third rate bowl. And there's like, instead of 25 cameras, there's like eight, you know, or six. And so it it is on, it is a little unfair that we have the expectation of being able to get every call right after the fact. And it's almost like the referees expect that, you know, they call, they sometimes make the calls, knowing that, you know, they've got cover in the replay and, and um, college basketball referees do that all the time. Right. And it's unfortunate because they don't always have the look and that um, sometimes, you know, sometimes will work against, uh, you know, work against it. So anyway, um, let's move on. Let's talk about better things, Jeff. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Um, so, you know, New Year's Eve, one of the bigger nights of, uh, of you know, musical, um, celebration during the year um everybody kind of has their has their thing that they do uh I, I assume you're you've been following all of the different um new year's performances and you're going to be able to to speak uh about about all of them right uh sure <laughs> um i thought i'm always interested in what the mule does sure. since they teach they're going to do Beatles stuff and was somewhat interested in what the dead were going to do, mm-hmm. which uh, they did something. Um, and then fish, I just sort of rely on jam base to tell me, uh, you know, to read a re- re- read a review where it's every fish review on jam base is basically if it's the greatest show that fish has ever played. Mm-hmm. So, um, lots of but, adi- uh, lots of adjectives. No. A, lot, a lot, a lot of fifty cent words. It's pretty amazing. Uh, <laughs> But they're very informative, and I like the statistics at the end. So I think that's I think that's really it. Mm-hmm. I think the last the last New Year's Eve concert I went to was the Black Keys mm. in Chicago, and it was like 
just another night, except they drop balloons at midnight. Like, right. just another Black Keys show. They just drop balloons at midnight. It's like, really? You're just going to play your regular set? Mm-hmm. And, like, don't. Because, I'm again, as with Panic and Fish and with everything, you're just so conditioned that something interesting is going to happen. Right. It's like, no, we'll just drop some balloons. It's like, oh, okay. Glad you came all this way. So, so um, yeah, so Dead & Company did, I guess they did three sets, and they had um, – they had Bill Walton on a flying plane or something reminiscent of, uh, yeah, of, they did. of uh, the old yeah. Um, and then, uh, then, you know, uh, fishes big thing. Did, have you, have you, have you followed, did you follow any of the, the hubbub about, you know, whether it was, whether it was real or fake? Do, do you know much about this? When it was reported to me that it, uh, that that's what happened. It was reported to me that it was not mm-hmm. fake. That it, that it was a an actual it was a, a malfunction but you were the one that sort of uh busted out the well i mean i don't i don't really have any you know i, don't, I certainly don't have any inside knowledge and um if you're not aware um I, I, they have there was a video on youtube I, I don't think it was an official one but it was like a capture of the of the webcast but um i guess in the third set the band came out and each of the members was like on a on a riser that was then tethered to, um, I don't know, you know, pulleys or whatever. And they went up in the air at different points in the song, kind of up and down and, you know, not in tandem, but all of them kind of going in different spots. And they were, uh, each, each band member was in its own, like had his own color. Uh, Paige was like blue and Trey was green and fish was red and Gordon was yellow. And then there was like a group of like, I don't even know, you know, like dancers below them that were dressed as like clones kind of like dressed as the band member. Um, and they were doing dancing and singing below the band member as they were flying in the sky. I mean, it is like, as you, as I sit here and describe it, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Um, but watching, right. But I mean, honestly watching it, it's like, you know, it it takes, you know, what what is it? Chutzpah? Is that what they call it? You know, I mean, it takes a little bit of, you know, it's, uh, you got to give them kind of the sort of a, you know, tip of the hat for at least having the balls to pull something like that off. Um, But anyway, so they do that for a song or two or whatever. And then I guess at some point uh, the song ends and everybody comes down except Trey's thing stays up and, there's, you know, there's a break for several minutes as there's, you know, I guess they're trying to get him down, but they're unable to get him down. And then he's just like, you know, F it, I'm going to play the rest of the show up here. Um, and then later the rest of, you know, they pull the other members up and, you know, move it around and, and whatnot. But he's just sort of stay st- stationary at this location uh, in space. And I guess the the two things that stuck out, well, there are three, I guess, that made me think that, that it is, that it was a, that it was a come on um one i mean in wrestling in wrestling parlance it would be a work right so one this this band is is well known for trolling their 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 crowd right i mean this would not be the first time they you know played a trick on now granted i guess most of the time it's halloween but you know i mean it seems like a kind of thing that they would do um second the 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 clone members below continued to dance and so my thought is you know if we're if there's an actual malfunction and the thing won't move (laughs) you know and you know that all those guys at msg are like union guys you know i mean they're not they're not letting these you know these broadway dancers dancing around below a you know a 
a thing they can't get to move. It just, uh, that, that seemed a little, um, and then the third thing was once they, and I guess, I mean, I guess maybe because he got stuck in that one spot, but it did seem like later in the show when he was still up there and they kept moving the other guys around, like they would all level out. And so it was like, it kind of seemed like they knew, you know, they knew the spot where he was and they kept kind of hitting it as they went up and down. But, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why I just wasted like three minutes of our, of our show talking about that, but it just seemed, uh, seemed interesting to me. It, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting. I mean, well, we're going to talk about the panic show, but, um, I don't know. I guess I just need something a little special musically. I don't need a gimmick. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and I think the mule, I mean, the mule has done some really cool stuff over the past few years. They did the Woodstock thing where they played a bunch of songs. Mm-hmm. I think that was last year. Mm-hmm. The Woodstock thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they did the summer of love radio like show for in 2017, which was really cool. They did, uh, the Watkins Glen yeah, show yeah. they did dead band and almonds. Uh, so they've done some really cool stuff, but that's all like, I mean, and then there's like peripheral things, but it's all just music. Right. And again, I think it's part of it is it's sort of like fish's 2018 Halloween show where they created, like they invented a band, right. uh, you know, it's super creative, but it's also like, Sometimes the creative kids just need to take a step back and just, sit <laughs> and just, be like, just, just play a show, dude. Just, just, well, play a show, but also just like, it's clear that they're at a point now where it's like, they're just, they're kind of entertaining themselves. Right. Right. So, so if they're doing, if, if, if this is a work and if it was not planned that Trey gets, got stuck up there, it's like, geez, what else, you know, are they going to, I mean, it's straight out of uh, Spinal Tap, right. where Derek Small can't get out of his pod. Yeah, uh, but of course he's in the air. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like it just keeps, you know, it just kind of keeps going. It's like after one or two things, like, hey, that's pretty cool, and then it's like, oh god, how many more of these things? Are you um. So speaking of uh, of wrestling, what about what about your boy uh, introducing the band at the Fox? Yeah, that was a uh, nature boy showed up. Yeah, um, that's sort of you know we I joke about these moments here that have happened in Memphis. Let's call them singularity, where like these various aspects of my life of things that are kind of that I think are disparate sort of collide. Mm-hmm. So this was one of those singularity moments, <laughs> and where it's like the nature boy introducing uh, widespread panic, which. I guess I would like to know some of the story behind that, but or, and maybe it's just it's as simple as the Nature Boy is available <laughs> for rent, and he will and he will show right. up. Uh, when I still lived in Madison, um, one of my good friends up there texted me like at ten thirty, eleven o'clock on a Saturday night, and he's like, "I just got a text from so and so. Ric Flair is drinking at the at the there's a oh, I can't remember the name, but there's a steak, a Capital Chop House or something like that in the." Uh, in the Hilton Hotel downtown by the state capitol building. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so, and of course he's like, should we go? And of course I live on the north side. He's way out on the west side. It's this whole thing. And we didn't go, but it turns out that there was a wedding the next day and they paid, they flew him in and put him up and paid him to like do the, officiate the wedding for them wow. in, in Madison. So he's available for a lot of things. <laughs> um, I will say that as much as I love the nature boy, he is the greatest of all time. Uh, Space Mountain 
kiss dealing, wheeling dealing, jet plane riding, just having a gun. But um, he has had some health issues. Um, he has uh, had some issues with uh, alcoholism and other things, and he did almost die mm-hmm. um, in the last year or so. Um, so he's not at his best right. um, anymore, but it still was pretty random and pretty awesome. So that's a gimmick I can totally uh, get behind because then it's sort of like he, he comes out, he says it, people are running, what the hell is that? Nature Boy does a woo, everybody knows the woo. Sure. And then then the band plays Good Morning, Mr. Hardon. Which <laughs> <laughs> somehow those two things also kind of go right. together. Right. So yeah, I thought that was pretty yeah, I mean it's not uh, it's not flying in space and you know with a group of clones dancing below you, but you know that's kind of how Panic does it, right? They do their uh, well. It comes back to one of those things, like you know, if it ends, comes to ends, and it's it's if it comes to physical conflict, I'm always gonna I mean, I'm gonna take the Panic Years show with Nature Boy there. <laughs> He's gonna get a helpful run in from you know Barry Windham or Art and Tully, so it'll be. Um, so, uh, let's, let's run, well, before we run through the show, um, I mean, we haven't done, I feel like we haven't done it. It's been several, several weeks since we've done an episode. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, to be exact. So, um, I mean, anything, anything new, how, you know, how are the holidays you guys, did you crazy new year's? What was the, how, how are things in your, in your world? Uh, replete with illness. Mm. Uh, baby was really sick and uh, before th- or just got was a little sick before Thanksgiving. Was really sick at Thanksgiving and then was sick after Thanksgiving. I uh, had to cancel a trip out of town because of it. And then everything was kind of cool. And then Presley got the flu the day before we were supposed to leave for Wisconsin, so we delayed our trip a day and everything was fine. And then I got the flu mm. on the way up to Wisconsin. Um, so yeah, it's nothing better than being stuck in a car for 10 hours where you feel illness sort of coming on. Yeah. And, uh, like and you get to the last hour and you're like, Oh, this is a thing. Like mm-hmm. this, is, this is, get out of the car and I couldn't stop shivering. And I was like, I think there's something wrong mm. and uh, 103 temperature. So that was pretty sweet. sweet. Um, but after the illness passed, it was, it was fine. Um, did you guys do happened. New Year's in Wisconsin, or did you no, come back? Okay. New Year's here, and actually, then Jen was sick on New Year's Eve, hmm. so she stayed at home, and well, and then put the baby to bed, and then Presley and I went to a friend's house for uh, taco bar and uh, cocktails, and an early New Year's Eve, and I came home, and then I listened to the uh, third set. So that was nice. uh, that was our New Year's Eve, but yeah. the holidays overall, other than the illness, were. Which is fine. Which cool. we would have seen in uh, an Ohio State or a Wisconsin uh, victory. In their yeah. Games, so it goes. Those are the thing, way things happen. Um. So yeah. How so yeah. Yeah. We had uh, Christmas was good. Everything happened. Everything you know went off just fine. A Santa showed up, um, and then we we drove to uh, to Charlotte, where's where my sister lives, and um, we spent. Um, a few days there and then you know luckily kentucky was I mean, we'd already planned to go there but the the cats got sent to the belk bowl against virginia tech and um so we went uh we went and did that and that was a ton of fun took the whole fa- you know did the whole family there and boys had fun and it was a great game did you watch the game 
I think that was a day. It was New, it was New Year's Eve, like noon, noon kickoff, yeah. Um, I mean, it was just sort of, we, I mean, Virginia tech was up most of the game, kind of went back and forth and then, you know, Kentucky got the ball at their own 15 yard line with eight minutes left and drove the length of the field and scored with 15 seconds left, um, to win. So it was really, what's your, what's your quarterback's name? So Lynn, Lynn, Lynn Bowden Jr. From, uh, the pride of, um, What's that town in Ohio? The the one that that Stoops is from, uh, Youngstown. Youngstown, yeah, the pride of Youngstown, Ohio. And uh, he was a converted wide receiver. We had we had lost um, our a fr- a freshman recruit quarterback got hurt in the preseason for the year, and then our starting quarterback Terry Wilson got hurt in week three, I think. And then our backup, who was a transfer from Troy, got hurt like two weeks after that. So um, we turned to to uh, Lynn Bowden, and he proceeded to run for like i mean he averaged i think like 160 yards rushing over eight games he, he ran for like 1500 yards and, um first team all-american for all purpose and uh and then uh in the in the belt bowl he um rushed 32 times for 233 yards and two touchdowns and then six for 12 for like 75 yards and a touchdown through the air so um, pretty impressive stuff, but yeah. it was a fun game. So, um, and then, then we went, uh, so we went, did a, a noon kickoff bowl game, came home, uh, ate some food. And then we went out and saw Jupiter coyote at the visualite theater for new year's. <clears throat> do you, wow. do you remember, you remember Jupiter coyote? <laughs> I remember the name. I couldn't yeah. tell you anything I'm about guess- that. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm guessing they're. I mean, they're definitely a, a southern band. I don't know how much, how many uh, trips through Wisconsin they made in the mid '90s, but um, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they were fun. I mean, they had been uh, so they were. You know, they were. They put out I think four or five records in the '90s, and um, and then kind of kind of shut it down for a while, and then they're they're kind of dipping their toes back in. Um, I had a, a nice sit down with uh, Matt Mays as the uh, lead singer and, and main songwriter and then a couple of the other guys. Uh, so we had a pretty good conversation before the show. So that hopefully will be an episode um, pretty soon. But um, then we then we hung did out. They, and, did and, they open for Panic ever? Um, I, they Well, you know what they did? Uh, I went back and looked and I found one instance in Everyday Companion and it was from 1991 at the um, – Riverwalk Amphitheater in Augusta with, it was like Jupiter Coyote, all good. And somebody else opening up for panic. And then, um, and then he reeled off like two or three other shows that he said that they, they opened, opened for him or played with them. Um, and then they did a run in like 95, like a whole tour that they opened up for the almonds. So, um, I mean, that's a pretty oh, yeah. big deal. They did. You know? Yeah. They did do that. So, um, so yeah, so, um, super cool guys. And, um, hopefully you guys enjoy the conversation that, that I had with them and, um, play some of the tunes from that show in Charlotte and look for them, you know, playing around. I think Matt is playing at Eddie's attic in Decatur in a couple of weeks. And then, um, they've got, I think, a, you know, sort of a short spring tour set up. So, um, so yeah, Jupiter Coyote back in the, back in the saddle. The band, that other band that opened 
uh, for Panic, along with Jupiter, Cody, and Algun, and Augusta was the Mundas. M-U-N-D-A-H-S. The Mundas. Huh. For those of you keeping track. Uh, interesting. Um, all right. Well, let's... Um Let's run through this uh, through this new this this year's New Year's run, and then we're gonna, uh, as we do, uh, we're gonna look back in time a little bit uh, at a at a New Year's past. But um, how much of of this run did you did you listen to? Uh, the majority of it. Okay. Uh, I listened to all of the first night, and I think. Most of the, the second night and then uh, the third night. Okay, so what? Um, so you've definitely listened to more than I have. I've listened to all of the of the third night, and I think a little bit of the. I actually listened to most of the second night. I didn't listen to any of the first night. Um, didn't miss anything the first night. Um, okay, first night was I thought pretty flat. Um, the show started off a little soft. I thought with good people, um, and then just kind of. I wouldn't say by the book, but just sort of kind of standard versions, Love Shack, Your Pieces, mm-hmm. AMD, Wondering, Bears, Gunfish, and Tallboy North. I mean, definitely it was like a get, get, let's, uh, good to see everybody again. Let's get comfortable and, uh, and see, <laughs> see what it is we're doing. Um, and the second set, even up till, up through to the very end, was not super, I, I thought, super well played, just very basic. Um, Ophelia was good. Um, Sundown Betty wasn't bad. And then things started to pick up with Ribs and Whiskey. And then uh, Busted Big, Use Me, Mr. Soul, Closer was was nice. But it was sort of like the the energy was sort of just all in those last three songs. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess it was a table setter in some ways, but it's also, you know, it's a big run. So I think, again, yeah. we've grown accustomed to having all, for two, all three shows of a three-show run being pretty strong um yep. the, the second night I, I uh, looking back i did not listen to the second set of the second night but i listened to the first set and i texted you at one point and i said listening to the show sounded was like listening to like an early 90s soundboard of the band like the guitar jb's guitar whatever effect he had on it sounded like one of those thin sounding soundboards from like 93 um, it was so. He's, he's playing the Telecaster, maybe. Yeah, it was just weird. It just didn't sound right. And then, you know, a hard stop after Wrangler, um, and then going hmm. to walk in. The Rock was great. Um, again, it's just it's a uh, yeah. It was just a great version of Rock. The Please and Stop Go was pretty strong too. Um, a lot of obviously that 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 could be a ninety six five four three kind of um, yeah first set kind of first set for sure um and the second set i mean i should guess guess i should have listened to it's over everybody but um yeah no well i I can speak a little bit i think this one was was pretty good um doug uh glad to see new blue in the rotation it was pretty cool um and then the the machine drums uh bar was was pretty cool i i assume that that has been done before but um, I, I definitely think that that's a neat, uh, neat combo to to drop the drums in between. Um, I'm going to look through 
to the Derby Companion. I don't know that there's ever been a, uh, I'm not seeing any machine into drums instances before this. So that's kind of, kind of unique. Um, and then, uh, the, uh, you know, Greta Fishwater is nice. And then, then a nice encore, um, you know, I feel like you always get, it's like the, you're guaranteed at least a couple tips of the hat to, to the Colonel, like every time they're at the Fox, it seems like, you know, which is, I'm good with. Um, and then leading into, to the third night, um, you know, Vic is always, uh, very present. The, um, the first new year show I saw at the Fox, or I guess, I guess they had played new year's before. Had they played a new year show before 96 at the Fox? Was it their first? Yes. That was their first. Yeah. So that was a, um, a big chestnut first set, um, from 1231 96, which is really good. If you ever, um, get a chance to go back and, and, uh, so it was cool to hear them, uh, do an all Vic, all Vic set. So can I, can, are you ready for my hot take? Yeah. I love hot takes, Jeff. Hot take. Um, I like Vic Chestnut. We've talked about Vic a lot. I think the though does do you feel that an all Vic Chestnut song first set tribute set, if you will, sets the proper mood for New Year's Eve? Yeah, no, I think I think it does because yeah, they've okay. done it before with him, and the people that complained about it back then can. But it, Take a walk it, too. Vic was there. Yeah, it's the same thing, though. I mean, it's the same thing. It's it's th- th- there were the same complaints then in '96 and '01 when they had a, ver- a first set, or was it 2000? 2000, 2000 or 2001 when it was an all Vic first set. People complain about about that that it's too you know it's not it's not dancey enough or whatever you hippies say and. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like Vic is like one of the, you know, top two or three biggest influences on this band. And if they want to play a set of his music to start New Year's, then I'm down. Okay. Well, I'm not necessarily down, but, um, but they did play some of Vic's songs. I do really like, so, uh, and yeah, no, and I, I like that they, it wasn't like the same, you know, sort of standards, you know what I mean? They, you, I mean, you got a blight and protein drink, but, um, you know, you got some, some, uh, debuts, you know, and, uh, so. Okay. All and right. bust out. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess it's, it's fine, but it's just not. Uh, You're entitled to your hot take, Jeff. I'm not going to, I mean, you, you can. I know. I know. Uh, you've, been, you've been wrong before on this podcast. It's not going to stop you in the future. Criticizing Vic Chesson, I know, is akin to, you know, criticizing. Obama or something like that, but uh-huh. but uh, um, <laughs> but it uh, but it gets it's just as a again. Like, I, I get well, I get where you're coming from. Me, I just, me, I just... Well, the question I need to ask myself, Harvey, is what will make me happy on a New Year's Eve show? I've said I don't like gimmicks. Yeah. And now I said I don't like anything that's too dark and depressing. Right. So but maybe it's the one time of the year I don't want dark and depressing. Okay. I mean, would you have preferred last year when they, you got a you got a mayor glass be filled in a in a space wrangler? I mean, would that have been would that have put you in a better mood? Uh, uh, no, a couple you get a, drop an old Joe in there or a time waits. Get old, y'all, 
you always count for a can't get high on a seated first set at a uh, at New Year's. That'll get you going, I've just, right? I've just been holding out for a song for Sitara for so long, Harvey. It's just you know, it's all I want. I guess I'm just bitter over that. But um, I mean, anyway, well, let's move on to the second set then, since we okay. agree to disagree. Time. That was good. You can only get a time weights. <laughs> so disco pigeons to get things going that's always a nice start especially in that that big fat and that fat second set in the middle of new year's and um uh lily into party at your mama's house um stop breaking down and then uh holding over soul and then honky red into a jam um which was i think similar to like a jam they did at halloween which i think somebody said was a um oh man what did was it on everyday companion where they put it was it was i guess it was in the it was in the middle of driving song on the third night at halloween 11 to 19 and it was like a uh, run for, it was like a run like hell jam i think is what they called it but it wasn't really but somebody called it run like hell jam maybe panic stream did um but it was a similar groove that they had here after hockey red which is i like it's definitely not run like hell but it is it's good And then, 
No, no. I um, I listened to this while making dinner tonight, and I started in the jam as a, according to Fan Extreme um, between Little Lily and Party at Your Mama's house or that thing as Z Man likes to call it, and um, I loved it. <laughs> it was really good. Wow. Um, yeah. I th- just because it was like it kept the it kept the mood from Little Lily and it kind of kept it all in that, that general space and then that thing was basically just a Jimmy Herring technical showcase um, the good kind of Jimmy Herring technical showcase yeah, yeah. Um,
I think I think that was one of the reasons maybe why I wasn't so hot on the first night and some of the uh, second night was because you definitely was kind of in. I've been playing the gold guitar. I don't know. Uh, you know, I had that exact same thought, and it was during uh, during disco. I was like, oh, there's that sound again. <laughs> he must not be playing the gold guitar. Um, but it was really really good, and I kind of liked it as this sort of mid set, sort of you know just. You know, it's mid-tempo is, can be used as a burn. A lot. My wife uses it as a, as a burn for bands. So she just said, oh, it's too mid-tempo. Um, but it was just a perfect little fit. And then comes back up with Stop Breaking Down and the Holden was great. And again, I think we've talked about before, I still find, just find it crazy that Honky Red is this thing that people sing along to and revere. Um, <laughs> I, I, I actually found the original album, the Murray McLaughlin album, um, while doing a little digging over the holidays. And I really want to know how the band came across the song. Like, it's to me, it's a song that somebody would have, the only way I ever would have found it or heard about it is if a band that I like covers it, because I never knew it existed. I didn't even know who that guy was, really, um, before I heard this song. But the only way I would have ever discovered this song is if somebody would have put it on a mixtape. It's like the totally obscure Canadian folk singer track that's just going to blow your mind. I'm going to sandwich it around like, you know, Neil and, and uh, you know, your Stephen Stills songs or something. I don't know. Anyways. Um, it was like, who's, the, who's that guy from Woodstock that, uh, Bert, oh, Bert, what's his name Bert from? Summer. Bert Summer, yeah. That's yeah, right. Drop a Bert it's Summer track in. Bert Summer track. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a, I think it was a really good second set. Yeah, it was. Um, and then, um, so then coming out of uh, Adam Midnight, uh, as they do, um, they drop a, uh, a Turn On Your Love Light. Um, did you, have you, did you get a chance to listen I to did. that? I was listening to it live, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I did think like it was a little like the, it wasn't the kind of start that I'm used to. Like, I really like the, this, and maybe this is just the, the band is different, but I just always used to love how they would start with the bass, you know, kind of driving bass and then Hauser would just start like, you know, going off. And it was just a little, it was a little different hearing the whole band kind of jump in at once, but, um, but they got it going. And then, what they played after that too, the red hot mama is and Rob me high are both fantastic. Um, so this is a really good, it reminded me a lot of, even though the songs are very different, um, to that 97 new year's, which was, um, so like porch, Arlene, porch, Arlene, Greta, Poor Charlie and Greta, yeah. And so similar to that, where it's just like it really they kept kind of like raising the bar on the jams. Um, so I yeah, I thought the 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 first three songs of uh of the third set were were really, really good. The uh one of the things I do I really like about the way the Red Hot Mama has been over the last it's probably been longer, but the last few years when I've listened to the band, the current band a lot more is I love when they start the track Schoolhouse, how isolate, how it's, it starts with just schools.
completely like just thick bass bass sound and it's so it's just it's kind of nice and then Dwayne falls in and then yeah it's a pretty pretty killer version the, the segue into ride me ride me high was strong really strong the segue into surprise valley was good um i'm so glad i'm in the middle of that drums back into surprise valley and then kind of the random placement song of the evening gimme yeah. <laughs> towards the back end of the third set on new year's um and then two sort of high temp high tempo set closers at the end with leather shoes and floozy yep and um you know you get the pilgrims port song to close things out you're never going to get a real big uh encore after a three-setter but um but that's a good way to to close out the run and a, um, uh, I trusted you again. Yes. I happy to see the I trusted you's keeps popping up. Uh ready for that to to enter the full rotation. <laughs> it's, become, it's becoming a thing, I guess. Yeah. Right yeah. But yeah, it's pretty funny at this point. So, so that's our that's our look at the uh, at the 2019 um, New Year's run, and um, so because we are who we are, we're gonna we're gonna go back in time. Um, but first, you said you were looking up almond. Did you find out when Jupiter Coyote opened up for Almond Brothers? Sure. The Almond Brothers base is not as. I was looking. Oh, I'm I looking, find I find that so hard to believe. Jeff. I'm looking how there's just random songs inserted that they did that I know they didn't play. Um, it. Uh, I was looking. I thought maybe it was in the fall, but I think it's in a different time of the year. But one of the things I do enjoy is um, looking at the the, the almonds did like a fall like southeast tour in November of '95, like mostly college campuses. They played at Ole Miss. They played at Auburn. Actually, it's all college. Ole Miss, Auburn, University of Florida, um, UT Chat, Western Carolina, Eastern East Carolina University, and then they played in Bristol, Tennessee. And on that whole run, they had Dwayne Betts, Dick, Derek Trucks, and Jack Pearson all sit in with them, which is kind of cool that they oh nice sat in there. Um, and the Allman Brothers or the Allman Brothers alumni, plus uh, including JMO. Uh, reuniting for a big gig in March, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you, uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit after the uh, the Tedeschi Trucks Band show. Yeah. I think, were you involved in that, or was that just me and, and Bob um, talking about, you know, could could they get together, maybe do a summer tour of Sheds with with Warren and Derek and, um, you know, some, some other combination, but... Um, but yeah, there had been some rumblings that there was stuff happening, and um, you know, I'm glad they're doing it. I'm glad it's just ho- probably just a one-off type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are you gonna are you gonna be there? 
I would love to be there. It's yeah. difficult to difficult to make things get, like that happen, you know. Can we get sponsor a sponsor or something to <laughs> send us there? I don't know. We are since we're a podcast, can we apply for like media passes to things? Does, does, Maybe. I don't, I don't think it's really the tickets that are going to be that. It's more the you know spending the night in Manhattan. Hey, there's always hot wire, right? Yeah. Uh, we just end up staying in a place where it still smells like fish that was cooked in it. <laughs> 70 years ago and it was a you know a tenement building or something anyway going down a different path um i'll keep looking for when they open how about that but you tell me more about your your new year's uh shows that you want to talk about yeah so i figured um we would look back there were a couple things that made me think about this um so I want to talk about uh, New Year's uh, 94, 123194 and 123195. Um so those uh, the 94 show obviously was 25 years ago. Um and so not only is it the anniversary of those two they do the, the two consecutive shows or two consecutive years at Macon. Um the first year was at the Macon um auditorium and then in 94 and then in 95 they moved to the making coliseum which is a bigger um, have you been to either of those venues i've been to the city auditorium okay um so uh which is more like a kind of a theater-ish type it's place, a big right? uh kind of round building in downtown macon and it's got a balcony and then it's just a floor that they can put okay. chairs in and stuff but that that building's been there yeah um and the coliseum is more of like a you know, college, uh, basketball arena type. Um, so, um, I think I've talked about that. We've talked, we've played some of the stuff from the 95 show before it, that holds a special place in my heart. That was my, um, fourth show, I think. And I would say was one that sort of went, you know, took me next level as far as, uh, following the band around, which was good timing because that, you know, after this was 96 is <laughs> a good time to be into the band. Um, so, uh, but the other thing that, that sort of brought the, these two shows to my attention were, was the, uh, the, the Capricorn, um, you know, concert that they did a month or so ago down in Macon, you know, sort of spinning back up Capricorn records. And um, so just sort of talking about Macon, the fact that the band played, uh, two straight years, uh, New Year's and Macon, um, before they they started doing the Fox Runs and then the Phillips mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, so those just sort of stuck out to me as uh, you know as a couple important shows in the band's history. And so I just went back and listened to um, listened to the shows, sort of front to back, and um, and noted um, some of the more uh, interesting spots. And uh, so I was just going to kind of walk through the shows and point out a couple um, of spots that I thought were really interesting. And we'll play just like little snippets of, uh, of the different songs since um, Jeff doesn't, you didn't, you haven't listened to any of this stuff to, to be able to to add anything. I I mean, at some point, right. I'll, 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 I'll talk. I'll interject as needed. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so, so 94 starts things off, um, 
did they do i should have probably looked this up before we started as far as like i knew the 95 was was the third of of three night basically uh new year's run but this one this 94 was a single show um they played uh, December 3rd at the State Palace in New Orleans, which is a really good show. But then this would be the next one uh, on 1231. So um, another thing that these two shows, 94 and 95, have in common is that Blood can open both of them. Um, so uh, so 94, they get things going with uh, Stop Go, Junior, Walk-In, sort of one, two, three. Um, and uh, the Junior is obviously – um, I mean, I feel like this again, I mean, I, there are lots of, um, sort of tor- turning points, uh, I think in this band, but I do feel like, um, you know, we, I think we would both agree that spring 95 was a big tour, right. Um, sort of change in approach, you know, if 94, you were still getting a lot of, uh, repeat songs night after night. Um, they were still pushing eight life grand as a, you know, potential, hit album um which i guess that was a capricorn release right yes no so that was one of the sort of last maybe um big big pushes that capricorn had and um junior was one of those songs that was played a lot during 94 um and um and a lot of times was kind of pretty straightforward but um i felt like this version they start to kind of stretch things out a little bit the uh the 95 version um is kind of a big one too, but, uh, but anyway, so like my point being that, that this sort of new year's 94 into 95, uh, they're starting to feel like in some ways they're starting to shed that, um, that summer 94, uh, more of a stale sound into, into getting a little more, um, aggressive like they would be in 95. So, um, that was, that was just something that stuck out to me. Yeah. 94 shows we've talked about are pretty, pretty stale um, sounding and uh, and I don't know why that is <laughs> um, well I mean I think I, mean, I think I, that I, is you know well we have talked about why it is but it's just a sort of it just that it was my opinion when I the first 94 show I ever heard and it stayed my opinion for over 20 years now at this point but um, but this show I definitely again it's like even if you listen to the next this first show of the next tour, 32195 at the at uh, Wabash College in Crawfordsville, Indiana. Um, you can hear a distinct difference in the sonic quality of the band and, mm-hmm. and how, how it sounds, how they're playing, all of it. Like in, in so this show, I think they're starting to get out of it a little bit more, but it's just, it's still there. And I think Fall, yeah. fall 94 is where you start to see them kind of come out of it towards, especially towards the end of the tour. That 12 yeah. That, that, that November, the runs in November out West, I feel like that's when they start to kind of see that. And I think you see a little bit of it here. Um, but yeah, no, you definitely see, I mean, even just looking at the set list, you can kind of see the same, same structure that you've been seeing a lot of 94, but, but again, I think you do see, you know, a few things kind of, you know, a few mix ups here and there. Um, I mean, I really think we had a credit, um, the opening band for that March 95 run, it's Jacko Pierce. I mean, <laughs> you know, we've talked at length about how instrumental they are to the, uh, yeah. to the history of widespread panic. And I think that they, they should uh, get just so much more credit for, for um, helping panic really find themselves 
and become that band that we uh, know and love so much today. Uh, maybe we should get those guys on the podcast. <laughs> I hope so. So then uh, they go into a you know, pretty standard machine bar stools, but um, a really nice uh, thank you for letting me be myself um, rap, which um, I don't know. I felt like it was a kind of an early ish. Was that something that they did a lot back then? Or I felt like that was more of a, you know, 995, 96 era. Um Let's see if I can find some real time. Looks like they did. Yeah. They did some uh, in 89, 90, 92, 93. I mean, I've I've always. Not super common. I mean, it was, you know, it's hard. Yeah. But I've always felt that the the thank you for letting me be myself thing is sometimes it's debatable as to whether or not it's actually belongs as part of the set list but there are times yeah, when it is, there are times when it's legitimate uh-huh. but there are also a lot of times when it is definitely like one one or two lines or something like that and but i will say again the band has done a really nice job of always incorporating that in with bar stools or around bar stools with some exceptions mm-hmm. um uh 2796 and 123196 um but it, um, but it just sort of makes sense with Barstools. It just, it just it flows really nicely with that song. So even if it is, I understand it, even if it just is a one or two line, because it makes sense. Sort of like Satisfied does, too. If you listen to Satisfied, um, that makes a ton of sense as well. And that's another one where it's just like, but it's probably given more credit in the set list than what it deserves. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Um, so... I- 
after this was a pretty pretty standard 94 uh, pick in into please. That was something you see a lot. And then um, my question is after that is the Blackout Blues. Um, when did they stop doing the guitar intro to Blackout Blues? Like when did that... If anybody was to know this, Jeff, we should be the ones to know those answers. We, we have, it's everybody, I mean, we're, we're just the only widespread panic podcast. We're not the, the ones, and well, someday we'll be the longest standing widespread yeah. podcast, but we've never claimed to be experts, have we? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, de facto. Uh, de facto. I'm a de facto but, expert on lots of well, so no, but let's be. I mean, I don't think this is this complicated. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I would have thought that that it would have lasted into '95. Like, I can't remember. I mean, it really seems like a night, like a very dated '93, '94 thing. You know, I mean, it was the album, sort of the album cut. But then, I, I mean, it seems I, I don't. I would be surprised if there were many after this one because it felt like they, you know, pretty. I mean, I feel like every 95 show I ever heard would have had like the piano intro, certainly 96, but. What's um, the, um, uh, do you like the guitar intro? I mean, it's cool. I think, I kind of think that it would be something that would be neat for them to have done every once in a while, you know? Um, I mean, I think generally I like the piano, um, intro, but, um, I thought it would have been cool for them to, to keep you know, to keep that around every once in a while. Um, just for fun, I just went and scanned through the blackouts. The biggest gap of biggest gap between blackouts is 14. Um, huh. Shows. Now I'm looking at porch song. You can keep talking. This is fast. Well, the other thing that's like that, actually I, a really good uh, question is what, what is the biggest gap between performances of sort of like the five or six most played songs they've in, in, in the canon? Yeah, or which songs have the shortest, longest, right? You know, what songs, the longest gaps are the shortest. Um, the other the other thing I, I went down a black hole with um, a backwards. month or so ago. What's that? Backwards. Yeah, backwards. It was definitely backwards. Um, was what were the last um, back, uh, consecutive show performance songs? Um, oh, yeah. That's a good one. And because and it was 95. Um, yeah. Excluding drums, of course. Sure. Or like jam or, and I think also excluding like radio performances. So like, yeah, you know, yeah. consecutive, you know, full band shows. Um, and I feel like Blackout was in there. Um, maybe Pickin', um, Can't Get High, Ain't Life Grand. I feel those were the ones that were still kind of hanging on. Uh, into early 95 and looking at this uh, definitely spring 95 you saw blackout on a couple uh, consecutive shows but i remember being um, shocked when they did a couple shows actually they did in 2000 
two songs or two shows in between a couple of times and remember being really shocked by that Mm -hmm. Um, and sort of like because three had always been the magic number right right (laughs) and then there was a few times when they definitely had done two um huh that's a good this is a good project for somebody Um, yeah um, all right to uh to look well you got plenty of time on your hands i got a ton i got a ton of time um, and then the last bit of this, uh, of this first set, the blackout blues into chili water, which is really good. And, um, I want to play this segment here. Um, that's got some really cool interplay between, uh, schools and Mikey here about, uh, midway through Chile. So that chili water closed out the first set for twelve thirty one ninety four, and um, back in the, so this was these ninety four ninety five shows. I guess the last uh, New Year shows that were just two sets. Um, another thing that kind of makes them sort of unique. Um, so after midnight, they come out uh, with Ain't Life Grand, and I did actually send a message to um, to Ted Rockwell because. It certainly sounds like um, John Keane or somebody on pedal steel during that Ain't Life Grand, and it is not noted um, in the set list. Mistake. Um, yeah, well, he was like, "You got any other proof? Like, is there a reference?" Or I was like, "No." <laughs> my ears He's like, are my proof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he heard it. He's like, "Yeah, it sounds like it." Is there any other reference to him? I'm like, "No, no, it's not." <laughs> um, so. Uh, so, so what do we think about, uh, how, how, what do we feel about a life grand as the, uh, as the post midnight, I went back and looked, um, I went back as far as 90, uh, well, as far as 94, uh, 
Eight Life Grand. Uh, they came out with Eight Life Grand in ninety four, ninety eight, oh uh, seven, and fifteen. So probably the most common post midnight um, song on New Year's Eve. Um, what, what do you think about about Eight Life Grand uh, after midnight? I think it's actually a great song after midnight, but I think it also has to be done at a time when you can unequivocally say that life is grand. Otherwise, it just comes across as, uh, you know, it's just sort of, it would be difficult for for it to play to for a life grand to be played now. How about that? <laughs> Maybe more of a hope in a hopeless world type of uh, situation? Hope in a hopeless world, I think, is good every year, probably. But, uh-huh. um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where it has to be tough trying to pick the song that works and that fits. That's why Love Light is such a great freaking song to play at New Year's because people are going to love it regardless. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. as you know, I'm not a dancer, but I danced in my kitchen when I was listening to it on New Year's Eve. Wow. Um, so, I mean, it was great and it was super fun. So I think that's the thing is like a fun song, but it also is, you want some, at, at times, when there is weight, when there are weighty things happening in this world, um, you want something. You want, you know, again, you want your band to reflect that, but sometimes you just want escapism too. Love Light's a great escapism song. Ain't Life Grand works, but sometimes it doesn't work all the time. Hope in a Hopeless World works a lot of times, but it's like Wonderful World at the at the Millennium Millennium in quotes. Um, did you enjoy all of the? It's not the end of the decade. Uh, oh God, no. <laughs> Jesus, people. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> but um, the "What a Wonderful World" was was a great was a great touch. And um, again, I think New Year's is a time for optimism. And I know that was a very unoptimistic thing for way for me to put it, but it is so. I guess yes. I spoke a lot of words there, and I'll come full circle. A life grand is a fine selection for New okay. Year's. Um, and, uh, out of that into porch song. And, um, this is one of those, um, it's, I don't know if it's the entire show, but a ton of JB acoustic for this show back. Uh, he played, uh, played old yeller, um, the old Washburn flat body acoustic. And, um, this is one of those spots where I just love, um, at the end of, Porch song when he just sort of starts going to town on the acoustic, like I wish he, wish he did more. I don't know. I mean, I haven't. I, I don't know. It's been a Sam. while. Sam might yeah, know. Sam would know. I bet he would know. Um, Sam, that's how Sam is having a big like. It's tonight. Uh, it's his oh. fiftieth birthday party, or tonight as we record it, um, down at uh, Smith's Old Bar, I think. Um, nice. Happy birthday! Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think Dwayne's playing that. Oh, cool. um, so he's going from that to playing uh, Madison Square Garden with the brothers. So, <laughs> yeah, and actually, it's kind of cool that Derek and Dwayne 
are going to play together uh, for yeah. that brothers show. That's cool. And Dwayne yeah. is a, Dwayne is the perfect guy. I mean, not just because of his last name and everything, but the perfect guy to play that show. Like he just yeah. he can do it. He can knock it out of the park. Um, anyway. So um, then, out of Port Song, you get the first uh, No Sugar Tonight in uh, 888 shows um, since 1989. Um, I would say, I mean, it was just like the first. I feel like this is one of the first like real bust outs of like modern era Panic. Um, and they had probably dusted a few things off maybe earlier in '94, but as far as like really reaching back into their you know cover band history and pulling something back, uh, this was one of the first ones I think. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, Halloween '92 with lawyers, guns, and money, and werewolves, probably. Yeah. Um, but do we? I mean, I guess we consider '92 modern era, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, so I guess maybe Halloween though seems like not quite. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a little. I mean, they, a little different. Even if this is New Year's, but Halloween '92, um, yeah. they had Black Sabbath, seven hundred and six shows, Lawyers, Guns, and Money, six hundred three, and Werewolves, five hundred. So okay yeah that's pretty good, that's pretty good. <laughs> um but it did start sort of a uh, a run here with the 94 no sugar 95 they brought back genesis 96 was uh feeling all right um and Schoolgirl, i guess or Schoolgirl hadn't been down that much but but feeling all right had been several years and then uh obviously in 97 you had uh but ophelia and which you're here and um so yeah, um, so this is a nice version um, into Hatfield, and then Fishwater, and then they sort of take a breath and uh, they do a driving, uh, unsplit Papas with a jam back into driving, which is really really nice. And then um, after all that, sort of like you know really um, stretch your legs, uh, <laughs> creative playing. It's like man, they just can't get out of their own way in '94 <laughs> Panic. Um, yeah, just, close things out. Yeah, <laughs> with a I don't want to say with a whimper, but right, yeah, heroes wondering, and then you know a four minute airplane uh, into Love Tractor to close things out. Um, it's yeah, that's just it's just interesting. You know what I mean? Like it just seems like such a weird. It's almost like uh, you know they're like contractually required to play their songs, and they just were like, oh, let's just tack them on at the end. Phil, Nobody be Phil paying Walden attention by that. Standing off stage, holding, holding up the contract, <laughs> but you must play these songs. Um, yeah, that, I mean, for real, it almost seems like that. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is sort of a strange thing to feel obligated to play your hits. And uh, this was yeah. this was the last show where I think they felt contractually obligated. Maybe. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, maybe being and making, they did kind of feel a little maybe. bit like they needed yeah. to. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, again, yeah. it was just as like. The did they have? I mean, obviously they were probably label people at the show, but were there? Um, you know, did the label invite a bunch of people, a bunch of tastemakers, to come in mm-hmm. and uh, see the show? And they're like, hey, you guys didn't play those songs in the first set. You got to play them now. Mm-hmm. This is what we're trying to get played. Do you guys want to make it or not? So it's the airplane kick or not? Come on. <laughs> Um, they've seen the so, video for airplane. And I think it's the greatest thing they've ever watched. <laughs> oh God, that's terrible. Um, so then with the encore, uh, after the, the Bloodkin opener, you get, uh, can't get high without Bloodkin. And then, uh, 
end of the show, which seems odd. And then, uh, but they were like, yeah, we need a clean can get high guys for the record. <laughs> oh man. Who knows? We don't man. need Danny and Erica. I mean, this was also the time of CD EPs and bonus discs and putting stuff out, you know, like bonus tracks and that. I mean, hidden tracks on CDs, like, Oh my God, like all this stuff, mm. the things that don't exist anymore. Um, who knows? Maybe it was recorded for that too. Um, um and then uh end of the show makes sense to me with uh with danny and eric to uh to close out uh halloween 94 so um yeah it was uh new year's eve 94 so i mean yes everybody knew that um and so was that one of the first yeah that was the first pretty much end of the show you had the uh um at a bar tab show 127.94 they played end of the show and then um 828.94 which i guess that was a real a full band but that was with danny and eric uh it was the ain't life grand album release party uh at smith soul bar um so how about that for full circle um, so, and the other thing I, I noticed there as you, as looking that up, that the next time after this, after this, uh, making 90, uh, Halloween, uh, nine, nine, at the red mile was, I guess, essentially the first, well, it was definitely the first end of the show without Danny and Eric. Um, so sort of maybe the first time, so it had been 60 or 92 shows, uh, since that new year's 94. And that was sort of the first time it, uh, appeared, you know, with only panic. Did you put so, end of the show in the top five pantheon of encore songs? Um, top five. Um, uh, I mean, it's great. I love it. I mean, I would never not want to see end of the show. So I guess, um, yeah, it's, it's got to be certainly, I guess, if we're talking slow, you know, if we can maybe split slow and fast uh, yeah. encore I mean, songs. The, the, the splits, I mean, would you be upset if you got the end of the show no. is not a flip the bird encore song, correct? No, I think he, I would even be okay with a single end of the show, yeah. one song encore. Yeah, I'd be good. Um, yeah, I don't know what else would be on the on the Pantheon, the City of Dreams on that. I would put uh, I would put end of the show, I would put dream song, because again I'm going slow, I'm picking slow fast. Okay. Um, so I'd put that there. I would put. Let's see. Now that I've started this thing, I should have given it more thought. Jeff mm. should do more planning. Write down a note. We can come back to this come back another. To this. But episode. it's a good conversation. Um, yeah. You know, slow porch encore as rare as they are or not as common as they are, I think would be their last dance would be there for me. Old Joe. <laughs> Old Joe, obvi. Um, you know, I'd put Floozy in an, on- in, you know, in, huh. in an encore song. Okay. Um, Parsons is a great encore song. So yeah, but I mean, for sure. End of the show is in my, is in my five. I would put last dance in my five. Too. Okay. Um, yeah. So, all right, let's move uh, forward a year. Um, the band is obviously in a much different uh, place, um, you know, musically, I guess, right? Uh, in December 95, and then they were in December 94. They've moved from the Macon City Auditorium to the Macon Coliseum. 
but uh, David or but Blake is still opening for him, and they're still in in Macon, Georgia. Um, so uh, I do love this show. It is often, I think, over over um, overshadowed. Maybe people seem to really love the uh, uh, Spartanburg show from the night before, which is re- which is really good. Uh, it's not like that's right. a bad thing that we love that show. No, no, it's there is nothing wrong with that, but it does seem like people forget that this making show is as good as it is, um, because the the night before is so good. Uh, well, I think it's also this this the uniqueness of this run too. I mean, it is mm-hmm. three consecutive shows building towards New Year's, but it's in three different venues. Yeah. Um, the twenty ninth does tend to get forgotten a little bit. Um, you know, John Keane was in. Uh, um, on hand for that show too. I mean, but it's a good show. Dream Soul, Dream Song, Mr. Soul Encore. So that's a that's a great slow fast encore. Yeah. Um, the thirty first, the thirtieth is such a great show. Like it is such a great show. Um, it from front to back, tapes sound great. Um, but I so I, I hear what you're saying, but don't uh, don't make us feel bad for saying the thirtieth is better than the thirty first. No. That's fine. Well, I'm going to walk you through why why the 31st is is as good. Um, so uh, I do. I think like this this one two three opener um, is just textbook for me. Like I mean, we talked about our favorite uh, traditional openers, and I don't remember exactly where the rankings were, but "Send Your Mind" is up there for me. Um, and a lot of it is because of honestly this version which i think i played during that show but um i i need to i need to play it a little bit of it again right here because i just jb is just on point and just gets you going such an awesome scene center As they, they wrap up Send Your Mind, they drop into Tallboy. Back when Tallboy was cool, um, it was it debuted, I guess, the end of summer 95. So it's still pretty fresh. People, you know, good good tune, uh, good dancing tune in the traditional sense. Um, and actually, as I look at this, I don't know, does this count? They played at consecutive shows 9-10-95 and 9-14-95. So... There were three days in between, but no shows. So I don't think that counts. Okay, there's like different segments of the tour. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you lose people. Like I'm thinking about people that wouldn't have gone. I mean, I'm sure there's some people that found some other things to do for three days, but uh, right. I'm thinking more in terms of repeats for the people because we're about the gotcha. people. Yep, yep. Um, so Tallboy and then uh, Littlekin, which again is I feel like one of my favorite um, openers, and so um, even getting this in the first few songs, I feel like sets the stage 
for what's to come. And um, there's there's about a minute and a half passage of this version where uh, first Mikey and then JB, and uh, it's just it's just quintessential panic for me. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it has to have its place. You know, I'm not, um, you know, late second set. That's not where I'm looking for Little Ken. But but early, I, I feel like it's a good um, good table setter. Um, so then out of that, you get Impossible, which, um, you know, in the fourth slot and first set, that's, uh, you know, you know that they're coming. They're, they mean business tonight. Um, I'm not alone. Which is really nice. You got a little, you get a little bit of a crowd sing along for the uh, knowing you're all here part, uh, and then uh, machine bar stools, uh, just like the year before, and then uh, got to drop a can't get high in there for uh, <laughs> for the for the record label, I guess. Um, and then out of that, you get the first Genesis and 726 shows, and uh, that was um, so that was kind of special for me because. I had heard that on like, you know, I had like an early panic tape, you know, which must've been from like 86 or 87. That was like essentially undated, you know, and it, but it was like the one like early, early tape that we had back when we were, you know, collecting tapes. And, um, so I didn't even know, like I, I had heard the song, but I didn't know like what it was from or whose song it was. I, I didn't know if it was an original or what. I just knew that they didn't like play it. You know, it was just that they played it way back when. And so when they came out and played it 
at a show I was at, that was pretty, that was pretty awesome. Cause it was like, I know this, I know this is special. And, um, and so that even, so that moment was special. And then, you know, Genesis, I think in general has, has had a special place in my heart because of that. First time I heard Genesis was five ten ninety seven in St. Paul. And it's like, like first time you'd ever heard it period. No, no. First time I heard it. Long, okay. But I so probably like it. maybe like the second or third time I'd maybe ever heard it. And, uh, they finished playing it and or set ended and I went to go, um, swap tapes and there was some guy who was writing down the set list and he looked at me he's like hey what was that song like second you know, second from the end or whatever it was and he's like what, what's it called and i was like uh, i never looked away he's like all right cool <laughs> and he wrote it down and then uh, went and found my friend uh jesse gamble and standing somewhere and i was like yeah man that was a great time he's like yeah it's cool that they played genesis i was like which song is that He's like, oh, it's one second from the end. It's like, oh, really? I didn't know that was the name of that. It's like, who did that song? Hot Tuna. Really? It's like, oh, yeah, I have it on CD back in the dorm. It's like, oh, cool. I'll check it out when we get done. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny how that works. Yeah. And I, lo- I mean, I just, yeah. So I love that song. And like, I remember putting it on mixtapes. Oh, and like, man. the tape I had <laughs> for making was so terrible. But it was like, I still, I was like, I'm putting it on. Cause this is a great song and like you know girls were like really um anyway so then out of that you get um almost like sort of an inverted first set closer i think you know you would see so it's port song into junior um i feel like junior into port song might make more sense but um this is also like a pretty early um I feel like uh, Ports Jam, you know, like uh, it's not Takeoff Jam, I guess, but like Moon Jam or whatever we used to call it. Um, you know, the sort of uh, traditional jam out of Porch, and uh, this one's really nice and hit some hit some good peaks, even though it's it's kind of short and sweet.
and then junior to close i mean it's fine it's pretty straightforward but uh and sort of an odd placement um but then second set things really start cooking uh sort of i would say one of the more unique uh post (laughs) midnight uh second uh, second set opener with the takeout with david blackman which is great but I, i do have to say being there you know you're kind of expecting like blow the doors off uh and that's not (laughs) it's not exactly (laughs) not a dancing tune in the traditional sense but um but it was good and it went right into any life grand which got everybody going and then um after that chunk of coal uh with with blackman and keen and uh just like so much fun it feels like they those two players really really fit well uh on this song Chuck of Cole. Uh, this is definitely where the set gets pretty, pretty spacey, and I would encourage you. We're just going to play a little bit of it, but um, I would encourage you really to listen to this whole. I mean, really listen to the whole show, but like from Sleepy Monkey on is where it really, I think, gets gets pretty psychedelic. So um, Sleepy Monkey, and then uh, into Disco. So Sleepy Monkey, Disco Diner Blight, uh, and. There's some really cool, like, I don't know if Schools is doing some, like, loop, looping pedal stuff with the bass, like, in between, um, definitely between uh, Disco and Diner, and again, before uh, before Disco, after Disco, and then and then between Diner and Blight. So, uh, just some cool stuff where they're getting pretty creative with the sound. Breathing clear water 
also interesting to hear uh in between after sleepy monkey before disco you hear some some requests some call outs for bow-legged i mean that's pretty that's a pretty solid request i would say you know what i mean especially in 95 like that's you know that's a legit fan right there calling out a bow-legged uh in 95 so props to that guy um that's one that you would actually consider heating probably like, oh man, that's pretty good. <laughs> good that's call. A good, I like good that. Call. That fits in well here. All right. Um, so then after Blight, you get, um, you know, the night, the year before, there was a driving Papa's, uh, unsplit Papa's back into driving. And so then this, uh, this year, you get with David Blackman driving into Papa's, into drums, back into Papa's and driving, which is really nice. Um, and then Conrad Closer, which um, was that. Was that our? We did our top closers, yeah, right? Was that number a, one? It was. I think. Was that was it number one? Yeah. I mean, that's just uh, it's perfect, perfect exclamation point. And so then, then they come out for the encore, and um, and to me, this was just such a fun encore. I mean, on paper, maybe it's not like the best ever, but it really felt like it really felt like cl- like walking out of there. You're like Conrad closer, and then Pusher Man Love Tractor Red Beans, like to sort of always kind of just take you to the next level of energy, yes. uh, which is fun, you know, especially at the end of a, of a long night, uh, new Year's. So, so pusher um, man, uh, a pusher man, uh, encore is pretty awesome because then that leads you to believe like, Oh my God, like what else are they going to do? It's like, this isn't, you know, cause it's a longer song and it's not terribly common. So, you know, obviously my first show was in 96 years was before that, but what were, what was the time like between the second set closer and the encore? Like were people more actively involved and cheering and clapping and trying to get the band to come back than what they are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would say definitely. So, Uh, and especially I think because of the energy level after that Conrad, that everybody was pretty fired up. Um, I can remember that being polite golf claps. Right. Like (laughs) we're required to clap. We know you're coming back. Um, Right. Uh, when and, we, when and, we, when I was to say when we saw Tedeschi trucks in Little Rock back in November, and we were lucky enough to stand side stage for the second for the end of their show, um, thanks to my wife's cousin who is the road manager for Southern Avenue, um, a great band, Grammy nominated by the way, um, is uh, the how the band just comes off the stage and they like they just hang out. 
Like they don't go mm-hmm. like backstage and, you know, they don't go backstage and get a beer or like a shot, right. or, you know, <laughs> grab a quick smoke or do whatever. Like they literally just come off stage and stand behind the curtain and like literally uh-huh. like recap a couple of things. They're like, yeah, man, that was great. That was really cool. And you did this, blah, blah, blah. And like, okay, it's been three minutes. We can go back. And then right. they go, <laughs> it's just, you know, cause I don't, it's just, I mean, with jam bands, the encore has always been, there's always been an encore, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe not so much with other bands, but God, what would people do if there actually wasn't an encore? <laughs> what if they didn't? What if, what if Panic just decided one time we're not coming back on because you people aren't aren't clapping enough? Yeah, you're not clapping enough. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, Pusher Man and Love Tractor, and that's one of those where you feel like, yeah, Love Tractor, uh, this is, yeah, this is definitely a closer, right? Because Pusher Man's a little stretched out, and then obviously Love Tractor is a standard closer. And so then, so then after that, and they drop into Red Beans, which, you know, say what you will about Red Beans is, is always fun to see live and, and definitely when you're not expecting it, right? When you're like, it's not a single song encore. It's like the end of a three song encore. I definitely think Red Beans is a good spot there. So, um, so yeah, so that's my, uh, that's my defense of 1231.95. And I encourage you to, to listen to the whole thing and, and let me know what you think. It was um, hard to believe 24 years ago, 24 years and a week ago. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. And it's it's a great show. The first set's pretty solid, and the second set, from disco on through the end, is is incredibly strong and just you know, classic, classic era panic. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, so yeah. So that's uh, I think that's pretty much all I got. Um, we've got uh, so we're gonna as far as things coming up, we've got uh, do the Jupiter Coyote. Um, try to get that out in the next uh, week or two. And then um, we got one more episode and then number hundred. So uh, it's almost like we're trying to avoid it. <laughs> like we're just taking longer and longer to get there, but um, I appreciate so- everybody's patience. You know, ho- holiday season's always tough, especially for, for those of us with little ones and hope that everybody uh, had a safe and happy holiday. And um, we're, um, thankful that you guys let us uh you know spend a little time with us every few weeks yes absolutely happy new year to everybody and uh we're all in this together it's gonna be a quite a year so so just uh we'll try to make it uh we'll try to bring some joy to your life with our with our quirkiness and our uh, random dad discussions and uh, of course great music so uh, thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, we'll keep coming back if, if, if you'll keep listening cheers everybody
Jeans.